0: I'm not here to help you with what you wanna do. I'm here to help you with what you're designed to do. Tell me about what your natural gifts are. Tell me about your experiences in life. Tell me about your education. That's gonna tell me what you really are.
1: Hey everyone, it is Angie Wieckowski. You are listening to the Bet On You podcast. It is season five. This is the year of transformation. Now, you don't have to change your whole life, but maybe there's an aspect of your life that's just, I don't know, neglected, that you'd like to focus your attention on. And I'm so excited for today's conversation and the fact that I'm joined by Stephanie Cox. She's the founder of Blue Sky Ambition. She's had impressive corporate roles. She calls herself my friend, which makes me feel pretty lucky in this world, (laughs) and Stephanie, kicking things off, this episode is all about, again, changing some aspect of your life, and a lot of times people want to change because they feel stuck. Have you ever felt stuck before?
2: Yes, yes. Um, Different times, actually, and I like making change. Change gives me a lot of energy, but you can be stuck in personal life, professional life. Um, From a personal standpoint, could be just in the same routine, doing the same thing on a weekend, kind of work all week on the weekend everyone's tired you go to the same restaurants you watch the same TV shows but I just don't like that I like experiencing different things so sometimes you have to step back and say am I learning anything new you know do should let's go try something different We may or may not like it but we'll have a different experience from it. That happened to me recently
1: with my oldest son when he went off to college. He was a cross-country runner, and so cross-country races are on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. So I've been used to many years of on a Saturday in the fall, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a cross-country race, and I'm going to spend all day there. And so when he went off to college, I suddenly had my Saturdays back because my younger son doesn't have a Saturday sport. And I will tell you that work sometimes is my favorite drug. It's the thing that I go to in my free time. And that's not always a good thing. So I've been trying to explore, like, how do I shake things up a little bit? Because I know how to do work. But what about this other area of my life? And maybe you've had that experience, too, with your kids going out to school.
2: I have. I have. Even just in the city that you live in, you might live there for a while. But have you really tried different? you know, experiences in the city, whether it's a restaurant or going to see a landmark or something. So I think that you have to be intentional about it. And you and I have talked before, we're big planners, we like to plan everything out. So maybe you don't plan something and have an experience. And then I think in the professional life, for those that work, um, sometimes a job can get um, routine. You know, it's the same type of job day in, day out or year in, year out. And you have to really ask yourself, am I getting energy from it? Am I excited about this or do I need to make a change? Because the responsibility is on
1: on you. Exactly. We are the main characters in our life. We're the one driving the action. So if you feel as if you don't have main character energy, likely a change is needed. And I'm so excited about our guest, Jeff DeGraff. Dean of Innovation, professor at the University of Michigan, author, thought leader, one of the the original OGs of LinkedIn, his tremendous following, but he is here to talk with us today about how to inspire change in our lives. Everyone, I'm so excited to welcome Jeff DeGraff to the Bet On You podcast, who's going to help inspire us on leading a personal transformation in our life. But before we get into that, Jeff, you are the Dean of Innovation. Your reputation precedes you. I want to hear about your path on how you got so fascinated with the topic of innovation, which I believe I read, too, you on your LinkedIn profile, that there's something connected to the phrase keep moving forward. So I'd love to hear your background and that mantra that has helped you stay inspired.
0: I just fell into it. I'd love to tell you that it was all planned. I just follow the things that give me energy. And um, I was one of those terrible high school students through a series of things, got to college, I went through college very quickly, got a PhD, was really young, and uh, decided that I didn't want to be an academic. After I did that, met a guy with a a small pizza company who I liked, it was Tom Monahan, and five years and several billion dollars later, was sold Domino's to Mitt Romney and Bain Capital. And that was a really good learning thing about how to build things. So I, I was very interested in creating things. That's why I did it. And then I got brought to the business school where I'm coming up on uh, 35 years. And uh, I just got really interested in people who were, I don't know how to put it, on a pathway. They they wanted to make things better and new. And I always felt like I was kind of weird that way. But the older that I got and the more I met these people, I realized that this was kind of a, a calling, if you will. Could you describe a
2: little bit more, you know, what is innovation? Is it is there a difference between being innovative and creative? Or are they one and the same?
0: I, the way I like to describe it is this. Creativity is a gift that we all have. and We have it in different ways. Change is the process that we have to go through with an adaptable mindset and adaptable life. And innovation is the product that we produce. And it could be something as simple as a design or a folk song that we write, or it could be something as grand as, you know, building a whole new branch of the United States military. It just can be intimate or can be large, whatever whatever works for the individual.
1: i would be curious, Jeff too, because I hear many people share that they are just not creative. And we tend to think about creatives as the person down the hall with the red hair and the pierced nose and the tattoos that look really interesting. And I've had the pleasure of sitting through your courses and recognizing the creative inside of me. So can we start there? Can you share? Yeah, that? you
0: know, I, I actually, have a lot of issues with what you're talking about, because I grew up in a HUD house. I, got, I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood. I got to college as a wrestler. I got through college as a teamster. And I could tell you when people don't have money, they're some of those creative people you ever meet in the entire world. Um, everyone's got something that they've got to put together to make things work. And what happens is necessity is indeed the mother of invention. I think a lot of what passes on for innovation is what I call innovation theater you know, it's, oh, look at me, I'm doing this really interesting thing. I also think the people who crow the most about things are, in my opinion, maybe some of the least innovative people. I think really innovative people, it really is kind of this thing that you need to do. It's, it's you know, you, you'd you be doing it anyway. And you see people, when I grew up, you know, tinker in their garage with their car, or the lady next door who sold the cakes that she made in the local kind of uh, supermarkets or the guy down the road who sent his son to college because he made artificial worms, uh, you know, in, a, in in ways like that. So I actually really don't like the fact that we've mistaken kind of, um, I don't know, the, the theater of innovation with real innovation.
2: No, that's a good point. Do you think it matters who you hang around with, you know, who your network is? Um, can you be more inspired by yes. other
0: people? Well, I think it matters. I think it's entirely the issue. I think I think who you hang around is who you become. And at the heart of my work is the creative power of constructive conflict. I'm a huge believer in diversity, but in, in a very interesting way. So I got to speak uh, uh, two years ago. There's um, a thing in Montgomery called the Equal Justice Initiative, and they have a very interesting museum there. So you can imagine when I got asked to go down and talk at the Davis Theater about diversity, I was quite surprised. You know, I'm an old white man. But what they wanted to talk about was my work, uh, and particularly in looking at share prices and looking at what I call creativity clusters, at what why we need people who have different ideas. And what that does is you really only have three choices when people have different ideas. One, uh, becomes very uh, toxic, like we're seeing right now in uh, Washington, unfortunately, with our representatives, both sides. Two, people become passive-aggressive, which I believe is by far the enemy of innovation. Passive-aggressive behavior, they go underground or three, you get to the next place. You use the conflict to get hybrids, better ways, third ways of doing things. And when we look at all the places around the planet that produce almost all the intellectual property, they have these hybrids. So I'll give you a real good example of this. So I I worked on a part of the COVID vaccine, and that was quite an interesting thing. What was interesting to me was 24 of the 25 scientists who really made a difference were not born here. And when you look at the history of innovation in America, it's also the history of immigration and why that's important. It's not just a statement about difference. It's a statement about when people come from different backgrounds, when they have different modalities of thinking, amazing things happen. And I think that's our great strength as a country. Um, You know, when you look at test scores, we're not that smart. (laughs) And when you look at value scores, I'm not sure we're the nicest people around. But boy, we're pretty doggone good at getting after it when we need to make things better and new.
1: I think about that too during the pandemic, how long the transition to a hybrid workforce would have taken as compared to how long it actually took. Once we thought the pressure of time and necessity, we can be really creative and action oriented when we want to. And I'm thinking about the phrase that you said, constructive conflict. If you can go back to that for a second, because I think most of us, when you hear that word conflict, it's something you want to avoid or minimize in your life. And I think that's part of the reason why we find ourselves with you know, surrounded by a lot of like, like-minded individuals. But can you talk a little bit more about what constructive conflict is and how to invite that in your life?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I can start with what you should stop doing. Oh, perfect. What happens when, you know, I'm an old AI guy, right? What happens when we got social media is we did what's called micro-segmenting. So we figured out very quickly what you believed, who you wrote it for, what your religion was. And what we did was we sold you a lot of stuff. It's a great economic model. But what we also did was we alienated people who were different. And in fact, if somebody doesn't agree with your politics or your belief system, you unfriend them. The Spanish Inquisition couldn't have thought of this. On a dark night, on a dark road, all the people who disagree with you disappear. And all the people who like you aren't very helpful, are they? They don't help you get to the next place. They don't help you grow. They just go, yay you. It's one of the most narcissistic things I think you can do. Now, to me, the big thing is this. All of us have a gift or a strength. So when young people, Angie, come and talk to me and, you know, I have all these students in Michigan and they say, let me tell you what I want to do. I always stop them and say, that's great. I'm not here to help you with what you want to do. I'm here to help you with what you're designed to do. Tell me about what your natural gifts are. Tell me about your experiences in life. Tell me about your education. That's going to tell me what you really are, right? That's who you are at this particular point in life. You might be somebody different later, just like you were somebody different earlier. Now the second piece is we are incomplete by design, right? Now, depending on what you believe about the world and how the world works, I have a big photo of Benjamin Franklin here in my office. He's one of my heroes. Benjamin Franklin was a penniless runaway and he continually reinvented his life, not because he was complete, because he had this feeling of incompleteness. I think a a mythology we have is the mythology of authenticity and wholeness. I don't think we are ever authentic. We are works of progress. I don't think we ever become whole. That's why we need other people. That's why we form relationships. That's why we surround ourselves. And the more you can diversify your experiences, the people who are around you, I think the better off, it takes the edges off. So it's funny, I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I live hundred miles from where I grew up, but I'm a two million mile guy on Delta Airlines alone. I'm married to somebody from within two degrees of the opposite side of the planet that I am. And so even though my life looks very consistent from where I'm from, it's very different. And so be interested in other people. If you're straight, read The Advocate. If you're white, read Ebony. Go to places you haven't gone before. Try that food, go to their temple. Part of, I think, the problems we're having in life is we've demonized everybody who's not like us. When in fact, I think that's the key. And I don't mean this in this kind of uh, you know, puppy dogs and sunshine way i mean success when you start looking at these creativity clusters success comes from these forms of diversity if you don't believe that i want to give you my favorite example the united states government tried to start working on the covid vaccine in a very straight way didn't work at all we had 600 shots on goal from these creativity clusters and we took an eight and a half year process and we did in seven months drop the mic right this is this is our blood right this is what we do when we start bringing people together who have different sets of skills. And yes, sometimes it gets off the road, does with me too, I have good days and bad days, but when I'm having a good day and I'm around other people, like in my Innovatrium Labs, boy, does it sing.
2: So it's about being open. What I'm hearing, being open, be around people that aren't like you. So have maybe number of different diverse networks. And is that, you know, in a way, creating habits, habit as a practice in your life to yes. do that and be uncomfortable.
0: Yes, I don't think I've ever, you know, when I read self-help books, the part that always gets me is I, I think I do a lot of things that they say, but I didn't do them intentionally. I think I do a lot of things intuitively. So I'll give you a great example. One of the biggest challenges I have in training very senior executives is the tolerance of ambiguity. And I think it's because they all went through a straight path they all went to the best schools, they all graduated top of their, everything went well. Well, it takes a screw up like me that everything didn't go well. So, you know, I've I've 18 years of being, you know, just an absolute abomination of like making every mistake, saying the wrong thing, you know, and you do that for a long time. And what you begin to develop is a sense of confidence about failure because you're going to fail. I don't care whether you're if you take ask your, ask your listeners, take out a piece of paper and draw a picture of your significant other, and then ask somebody else, at what age did you stop learning to draw? And everybody can tell. Whether you're eight or 80, whether you're learning a foreign language or playing an instrument, you're going through the failure cycle. And I think the people who have, have effortless superiority have enormous challenges with that. And those of us who were kind of screw ups earlier, and I'm not saying you need to be a screw up, but those of us who kind of had to deal with that from day one we become a little more accustomed to it. And I don't mean crazy failure. I'm not talking about, you know, driving your dirt bike off the Empire State Building or something. I'm talking about managed risk, self-authorizing behavior, how, in fact, you follow your own star. And I think half the decisions I've made in life that were the best ones were I got enormous disconfirming feedback, you know, from the, you know, the person I married to the way, you know, what I picked as an occupation to, you know, what I wrote about to, and you know, at every time, if you don't make that choice on your own behalf, I don't know who's going to make it for you.
1: That is a really wonderful point. And I want to circle back to that fear of failure and our listeners, as we shared, this is the year of transformation, 2024. It's pick some area of your life. And I love what you said, take manage risk. And I think a lot of people are afraid sometimes to even start, whether it's that side hustle they want to explore, going back to grad school to get a degree, and the thing that's holding them back is just the, what if I fail? Uh, I'd love to hear you talk about more about just that fear of failure and why you just need to start anywhere. And you said it earlier too, find yeah, the thing that gives you energy.
0: It's a great point you're making, Angie. Um, Two parts about that. The number one form of resistance to innovation and any form of creativity is getting stuck in the planning cycle. The meeting about the meeting, the report about the report, the thought about the thought. The universe, in my opinion, recognizes energy. Things that are energized are growing. They're pursuing power, pleasure, or progeny. I mean, you. when the world moves, it's searching for something. And a lot of times you don't get it, and sometimes you do. It's when it stops moving that things begin to decay, right? And you could talk about philosophers right, about this, and there's a lot of logic in this. So I think in the world of transformation, the big thing is to, is to, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan, think, but then act. So I just got off a call this morning with a, the American Medical Association. It's very interesting. And I've sort of said, there's things you need to be doing right now. Well, we're plan No. No, you need to be running small experiments. Now, the big thing about when these experiments happen, Angie, you don't look for confirming feedback. You look for disconfirming feedback. There's no substitute for the real world telling you. And then you make adjustments. That's the whole thing. Our whole life is a series of adjustments. The transformation you're making next year will be, you know, two more two years later, you'll make another one. You know, the, the person that you thought was the person you're going to go through life with might not be that person. The job that you thought was the job you're going to have might not be that job. The degree I, I, I might what I do with for a living looks nothing like my Ph.D. The person I ended up with looks nothing like I thought, you know, didn't wasn't anything like the person I thought I'd end up with. Boy, thank God I did.
2: Do you think there's an element of patience or impatience? You know to to fail and keep trying uh or stick it out until something
0: happens Stephanie, that's a great question i think you're you're talking about the yin and yang of this i it's a very funny let me tell you a funny thing about innovators because when we get together we like to talk about failure but i've never met a less group of adventurous people in my life than these innovators i'm very good friends with the with the senior scientists for the james o telescope for the covid actually so i hang around these really incredible people. And we all drive old cars, sit in the same spot at the stadium, like to go to the same diner. So I think there's part to your life that you have to stabilize. I think you can't be uh, constantly in motion, right? Those people are kind of uh, how to, uh, thrill seekers. They're unlikely to really build anything. I think the other part that you're talking about is this dogged stick to that this sense that it's a sense of destiny. I'm going to build this. I see this with people write books, right? You guys wrote a book. There's a, there's a lot of parts of the book that are just, they don't work. You go through bad months. They have to throw out chapters. The publisher doesn't like something. Well, that's true of everything. You just got to kind of work through it. Right. So I think it's those two things. And then of course there comes a time when you have to you might wanna say this isn't working or whatever, but boy, I'm, I'm a pretty dogged person that way. Once I get a bone, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much on it.
1: So I got a question for you then regarding that. So as we think about enacting change in our life and putting ourselves out there and, and, and putting attempts forward and, and being patient with the process, when do you quit? Like, what when do you not move forward? What do you look for if things aren't working out? Because I think there's a challenge there too is that with the dog and the bone, you never let go. But at some point, you might have to say, This is just not working. Cut my losses.
0: I, you know, the right answer would be when you get disconfirming enough, disconfirming feedback. Can I tell you what it is for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I lose energy, I have a portfolio life. You know, I write books, I teach college, I'm on the speaking circuit, I'm on, I do, you know, I have these labs. To me, you know, I don't like, I'm not, how do I put this? I'd have a very different career if I would have stayed in the food industry and built a million different things, and I'd probably have a yacht somewhere, and that would be great. But I didn't want that life. I wanted to build stuff every day. That was kind of the life I wanted. And one of the things that occur, I think should occur to your, your listeners, is when you're doing something and it no longer gives you energy, if it starts taking your energy, I know it sounds very new agey, in... but I'm giving you an authentic answer that, for me. When it starts taking my energy, I stop doing it. I walk away. And, and if I'm in my best self, I give the project to someone who actually needs it. One of the big things I think we forget about, one of the things I don't like about self-help, you know, I'm an old Catholic. You know, I, I think the community matters. I think your family matters. I think what happens is when you're done with something or if somebody needs a hand to get to the next place, I think you give it to them, right? So I think there's, it's like clothing. We're done with that piece of clothing. That sweater doesn't, we don't wear it anymore. Give it to somebody else. They, they need it. Wish them well.
2: <laughs> I love that. Is there any um, any books or people that you would like to meet or you haven't read that you are very curious about that would spark Kind of the next piece of your portfolio,
0: you know. I'm writing a new book, and the things that I keep in the background that I don't talk to anybody about, but very few people, I actually read an enormous amount in philosophy. I've always been terribly interested in it. The philosophers that I'm interested in are are more obscure, you know, have funny names and come from different parts of the world. There wouldn't be people most people would know about. Um, I would say to me, what excites me, what I'm interested in these days is really two things are giving me energy. One, it's the same things I've always been interested in. I'm an autodidact. I'm a classic autodidact. I've always got a book on tape, always. And I'm always watching documentaries. And I'm always, I'm that guy. And I don't do very well in structured bureaucratic environments. So I'm sort of, you can see why Ben Franklin's my big hero. So I love like the Great Courses series. And I you know, I own every documentary channel and drive my family crazy because once I get home and we have dinner, and I'm family person for a little bit, I go downstairs and I just watch documentaries until the evening's over, right? Because I'm just trying to do that. But I would say, in terms of people that I really want to meet, you know, I can I just turn this around in a really weird way and say I've been really, uh, I've been given a great gift in that I've got to meet a lot of people. So for example, you know, I got to meet Cory Aquino and stay at the President's. I've had, I've had a I've had more than my share of meeting spectacular people. I would say the big thing is the thing that's most exciting to me is the next person and you never meet them in a formal way. You know, I read all the books about don't say anything to somebody on an airplane and I'm on an airplane all the time. I have the exact opposite view. You should always talk to a person on an airplane. You never know who you're sitting next to. And and even People who don't have these kind of illustrious lives, most of the times, they have better stories. They're more interesting people, my my view. Make they add they add texture to your life.
2: You learn something every time
0: you have a do, conversation. If you're open,
2: if you're yeah. open, I think that's a key
1: piece. I'd love one of my final questions, Jeff. Can you speak to that person right now who just feels stuck in their life? That maybe they live in a, a small rural town. Maybe they've got these big dreams. Maybe they feel as if they're the rock for their family and can't really move left or right, but still there's something inside of them. Can you give that person some guidance? I to can. Start changing their life or taking steps forward.
0: I'd say three things. Number one, take the smallest action you possibly can take and every day increase it. So if you've got a novel, write one letter to somebody that might be able to help. Or if you're starting your novel, write one line. Everything starts with action and the world will respond to action and it will give you energy. So maybe you stay up a little late and write the second line, or maybe get up a little early, write the second line. Number two, find somebody who's not in your immediate circle and reach out doesn't mean you're asking for anything. Just connect. Make a connection. Talk to a person who's not like you, right? You'd be surprised. I don't know whether it's serendipity or, you know, the universe rewarding you or anything big like that. I think it's just every time you meet a person, you connect to a whole other circle of people. So small step, say hello at the grocery store, right? Third thing, if you live in a small town, it doesn't mean you should that your whole world is a small town, right? Um, maybe you drive to the next town. Maybe you do something that's a little different. I remember when I was 18, I did something that probably took a lot of courage during a snowstorm. I took an old, old car and I drove it to New York City because I wanted to see a Broadway play. I'd never seen one, right? So I drove through Pennsylvania all night, whatever, stayed in a very sketchy hotel in New Jersey, right? But what I wasn't gonna do was be bound by where I was living. I just decided that I was, and it doesn't mean where I was living was bad, right? It just meant I wanted more. So a small step, right? See what gives you energy. A small person, just say hello, right? And finally, go see something else. And what that does is it takes you out of a reactive position and it gets you moving forward. Towards something anyone's ever got an email from me knows I always sign it with onward, onward. As you started with this Angie, an old Walt Disney quote: "Keep moving forward." What else is there? You know, I, I have no idea why people retire. I don't, I don't think retirement should be. I think retirement should be your third act or your second act. I think you should have another act, and then keep moving forward till the end. Then you know you've done, you've done everything you can do
1: great advice and jeff where can people find out more about you should they follow you on linkedin go to your website
0: oh yeah i'm one of the original linkedin influencers so if you look me up jeff DeGraff on linkedin you can find me uh you can go to my website jeff um yeah i'm all i think i think my new model will be paying to not find me i think that'll be <laughs> <laughs> so, so no no it's all good and i'd love to hear from people
1: wonderful well thank you so much for being a guest on
0: bet on you thanks and and, and thank you for having me on
1: hey stephanie wasn't that awesome is it he the best like i've got so many notes and ideas and concepts i'd love to hear from you what you thought and yeah what you took away
2: It took a lot. I learned so much from Jeff, Angie, um, many things. One of the areas, though, is about your network. When I asked him, you know, does your network matter? And network can be friends, family, people you don't know. But by being around different people and getting to know and being curious, it can spark that innovation. You don't want to always be around people just like you.
1: I 100% agree. And I love the idea that if I'm sitting next to Jeff DeGraff on an airplane, he'll talk with me because I like to talk to people too, just to get like a nugget. And you were so right. I mean, you can learn something every day if you allow yourself. The things that I took away too are just, again, if you're feeling stuck in your life, which is where we began this conversation, is take a small step, small thing, right? Make a phone call, write a line, explore how to start an Etsy business on you know, social on, on your social media channels. Figure it out. Like just one small thing can start that. And then having a small conversation. You might live in a small town or you might feel like your world is small, but meet somebody new, see where that takes you. And then see something else. And I think that's something too that we were talking about at the beginning is just there's always a way to see something new yeah. within the space that you're with. Great advice.
2: Just have to put yourself out there.
1: Gotta put yourself out there. Well friends Thank you for listening to this episode of Bet on You. And if you want to get a hold of Stephanie, blueskyambition.com and me, angieconnect.com. And we cannot wait to see you and connect with you soon. Thanks so much.